The um, reading from the book of Acts is from chapter 11, 18 verses. Now hear the word of God. Now the apostles and believers who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also accepted the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him, saying, Why did you go to the uncircumcised men and eat with them? Then Peter began to explain it to them step by step, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. There was something like a large sheet coming down from heaven, being lowered by its four corners, and it came close to me. As I looked at it closely, I saw four-footed animals, beasts of prey, reptiles, and birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying to me, Get up, Peter, kill, and eat. But I replied, By no means, Lord, for nothing profane or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a second time the voice answered from heaven, What God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times, then everything was pulled up again to heaven. At that very moment, three men sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were. The Spirit told me to go with them and not to make a distinction between them and us. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house and saying, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will give you a message by which you and your entire household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, just as it, has, it had upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift that he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could hinder God? When they heard this, they were silenced. And they praised God, saying, Then God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So let me pose a question. It's not really hypothetical. Can anybody do anything to stop God? Can anybody do anything to thwart the will of God? Is it possible to block God's intended purposes? You say, that's a silly question, preacher. God is sovereign. God can do whatever God wants. None of us can block God. God is omnipotent, all-powerful, and the will of God is inevitable. Preacher, why are you even wasting your time asking such a stupid question? Well, yes, God can do whatever God wants, but the will of God is mostly accomplished through us. 
I mean, there are a few Damascus Roads experiences where, where God just zaps somebody and, and gets through to them, but mostly God's purpose, if you read the Bible, it's accomplished through you and through me. And so I would like to suggest that, yes, at least temporarily, God's will can be thwarted by my choices or lack of them and by your choices and lack of them. We can either facilitate the will of God or we can frustrate the will of God. We can even either help God's will or we can hinder it. When we pray, as we will in a few minutes, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, how do we think that's going to happen? It's not going to be God just kind of doing this. It's, it's that prayer of ours is a prayer for us to be on board with this. Let, let's think of the kingdom of God for just a minute, the will of God, a little bit like the supply chain. It is complex. It is subtle. It doesn't matter in a supply chain how far, how hard the automobile workers are working in Ohio if the computer chips in Japan aren't supplyable. And, and there's that kind of connection, I think, between God's will and God's purpose and how it gets accomplished. It's complex. It is subtle. Uh, there, there's a connection that is direct between God's design and God's purpose and how you and I relate to or fill that out. Sometimes we see God's purpose immediately. Sometimes we participate in it immediately, and just like that, we know that it's been accomplished other times, this will of God and, and how God uses us takes months or even years to work out. And we might not even know it for a long time. Acts chapter 10 and 11 uh, describes uh, twice in back-to-back -back stories one of those complex chains of events where God is working out His will over two cities— with two different men who have never met each other before, with a whole supporting cast of men, where God's will is accomplished because Peter is faithful. Peter's on the roof. He's hungry. It's about lunchtime. You know, a, a, a Rooftop uh, dining was apparently back even in the Bible. I mean, I'm glad to see, you know, some of us go up on decks. We like to go on a deck and eat. You can read about that in Acts 10 and 11. Peter's up on the roof. Uh, he's, the, the good smells are coming up from down below, but Peter's gotten drear, weary. He falls asleep. He begins dreaming of food. It is a wild and crazy dream where all of these things that Jews can't eat are shown in this, um, coming down in this uh, sheet. God tells him to eat. It is just like our dreams. We wake up. Uh, they are troubling to us. We don't understand what they mean. At the very moment Peter wakes up from this dream, there is a knock on the door downstairs. Peter can hear somebody saying, is a guy named Peter uh, in this house? 
and Peter goes down, and you know, there's no text messages. Nobody's texted Peter in advance. I'm, I'm going to be there in five minutes. Uh, there's no uh, one of those doorbells where you can see somebody outside without opening the door. Peter opens the door. He sees three people he's never seen before in his life. They say to him, uh, your name's Peter. Uh, God told us that we're supposed to ask you to come with us and preach uh, to our master Cornelius. And Peter says, well, where is it around the corner? No, no, it's in another city. Uh, uh, come on. Freeze the story right there. Just freeze it right there for a second. This is the pivot to the whole story. Is Peter going to shut the door and walk away? He's never seen these guys before. He doesn't know whether they're kind of loony or not. He has a sense that they are Gentiles. Gentiles to the Jews, the, the Jews call Gentiles dogs. They had nothing to do with Gentiles. So not only are these guys strangers, they are strange dogs, if you will. Peter has had no advance warning on this. He has to think through it rather quickly and decide rather to shut the door or whether to step across the threshold. I don't know what goes on in Peter's mind in those few steps, but what Peter says out loud, at least or to himself, is, Who am I to hinder God? Oh, I love that question. Who am I to get in God's way? Who am I to hinder God? You want me to go with you? You say, uh, 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 I'm, I'm going to preach to this house? Well, let's get going. And Peter steps across the threshold. He goes, and a Holy Ghost revival breaks out in Cornelius' house. God's purposes are accomplished because one man says, Who am I? to hinder God. Ordinary people doing ordinary tasks as a part of the will of God. I read an obituary some years ago, never forgotten it. I did not know the man. I think it was in the Atlanta paper. His name, I think, was Jones, but maybe I've just made that up because I can't remember what his name is. But this is the part I remember in that obituary. It said every morning when Mr. Jones got up, the first thing he did when his feet hit the floor, he saluted and he said, God, this is Private Jones reporting for duty. I love that. Private Henshaw reporting for duty. When your feet hit the floor, God, here I am, present and accounted for. How do you want to use me today? Who will I see today? What nudge might God make for me today? What rare and strange coincidence that doesn't quite seem to make sense might happen to me today. 
How can I be a part of God's will and not thwart God's will today? Last Tuesday, Marcus and I were walking down New Street. We go to Satterfields after lunch sometimes. And, and on the way down, uh, we always walk by uh, our community garden. A lot of times I just kind of look and I don't even think about it. Uh, last Tuesday, I said to Marcus, let's, let's stop. Let's just walk across, uh, let's walk across the street and just look in the fence. I just love this garden. We just walked across and fumbled with the gate a little bit. It looked like it was locked, but lo and behold, there was uh, Jane and Leland working in there. They came out. They gave us a tour of the garden. Before long, there was Carol Pope and two of her friends from a garden club. I don't know what all of that meant. You say, well, it didn't mean anything. It just meant you just visited garden. Well, yeah, but I hadn't been planning on doing it. But I did it, and Marcus did it with me. And I don't know whether it had any significance or not, but it wasn't a part of my plan for that day. And I'm just, I'm just strange enough, I don't know, uh, to think that maybe somehow or other this is a part of God's plan somewhere, somehow, that I don't know what it had to do with. Acts, the book of Acts, is full of stories of people who turn 180 degrees and go in a different direction. They are prodded, they are nudged, uh, they are sent, they are thrust out. It was, they always go into places where they didn't want to go to do things that God wants them to do so that God's will can be accomplished. Even in the story of the Damascus Road, if you will remember, when blind Paul gets to Damascus and can't see, God goes to a fellow who is just sitting there and says, go pray over Brother Saul. He gets up and goes to see this man he's never seen before and prays over him. And then Paul's uh, uh, cataracts or scales fall off his eyes. I've had, this has been an exciting week for me. Only exciting because I found myself asking every day, what, how can I keep from hindering God today? What is it today that I can do? In, what is it I need to be open to, responsive to, so that today I can at the end of the day say, I didn't hinder you today, God. I didn't get in your way today. I think just asking this question in that spirit of humility, it'll change your life. It'll change your life. Now let me pivot in my last few moments to say that if individuals can, can block God's will, if individuals can get in God's way, then so can churches. And Acts chapter 11, if you really want to be honest, Acts chapter 11 is about a church meeting. 
If you really read Acts chapter 11, the reason Peter is telling this story is because he got called on the carpet by church committee. You didn't know that churches had committee meetings in the early days, did you? But the leaders of the early church, James the brother of Jesus and some of the others in Jerusalem, they heard that Peter's gone and eaten with Gentiles, and that's against Scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. They called him on the carpet. He's telling this story to the church because the church is getting ready to drum him out. The church can be too cautious. The church can be too hidebound. The church can be too tied to old ways of thinking with old preachers standing in a pulpit. The church can be uh, messed up by even old ways of interpreting the Scripture. We have bragged on our graduates this morning, rightfully so. But sometimes what happens in a church is we, we brag on them, but then when they become bold, and then when they see God clearer than our eyes, which are not always 20-20 anymore, we say, oh, they're just teenagers. They don't know any better. And so the challenge for us is to not only brag on our uh, high school seniors now, but to believe that God is using them as instruments in today's world. And maybe we step out of the way a little bit that, that we might hear their cries for justice and, and listen to their solutions for the uh, problems of today's world. It was an early, crucial step for the church. And in that committee meeting, Acts chapter 11, the church listened. Just like Peter stepped across his threshold, the church stepped across theirs. They swallowed hard. They listened. They slapped Peter on the back. They gave him high fives. They said, you did well. And we are moving in a new direction. And so you get two sermons for the price of one this morning. The fact that you and I as individuals need to step out of God's way. Who am I to hinder God? And the second one, that the church always needs also to step out of God's way and say, God, help us to accomplish your will. Who am I to hinder God? Not I, not us. Private Henshaw, Mulberry Street Church, reporting for duty.